Welcome to the Core Women Podcast, the place for women entrepreneurs, authors, and self-starters looking to build community and gain valuable insights through expert interviews with women at the top of their game. Join your host, podcaster, producer, expert coach, entrepreneur, and author, Dr. Summer Watson, as she aims to inspire and empower you through these candid conversations. Lean in and embrace the journey. It's time to start the show. Here's your host, Dr. Summer Watson. Today on the show, I'd like to welcome Darcy Eichenberg, who is a professional certified coach, author of Red Cape Rescue, Save Your Career Without Leaving Your Job, private coach to leaders and high-performing teams, keynote speaker, and workshop facilitator for companies and professional associations. We have so much to talk about, Darcy. So welcome, and let's jump right into this. Thank you. We, yes, we do have lots to talk about today. We certainly do. So Darcy, before we get right into your professional career, can you take us on a little journey about your personal life, where you grew up, some of the wisdom that you've picked up along the way, and how this has contributed to what you do today? Well, it's such a great question. And, you know, I, I think we always say that we can't tell the story forward. We can always tell, only tell the story going backward. But, you know, when I look back at when I was a little kid growing up in central Illinois, um, I, I loved to perform. I loved to do theater. I, I have a vivid memory of uh, at uh, some party of my mom and dad's just, you know, getting up and singing and dancing or whatever. I don't do much singing and dancing anymore, but later in life, I recognize that the singing, the connection with people, the, you know, helping people, you know, feel good about things that are going on and also, you know, making them laugh along the way and making them think along the way was something that's just always been part of me. So I see that now in a lot of the things that maybe I didn't value as much when I was a kid growing up. And I even was one of those kids that, you know, I, I sort of dreamed of being like a theater major, but intentionally said, ah, I'm smart. I want to have a quote unquote real job. And so, you know, I took a different path instead. It's just kind of always funny to me that, you know, when you look at my life now, a lot of it comes back around to the things that I was good at and loved when I was a kid. And that was, you know, speaking, that was writing. I used to write a little newspaper in our neighborhood with my friend, Tom, and we used to take our wagons and, you know, go around door to door with the little mimeographed newspaper. So some things, some things don't change, even though so many things do. Oh my goodness. How amazing. You are an entrepreneur early on. I probably was. <laughs> I never really thought of myself like that until probably my forties. Um, but uh, there probably was always that little spark of creativity, that little spark of, you know, I want, uh, I want this thing to be mine. That was probably always in there. Yeah, right. And a writer. So let's jump into the next question. Your company is called Red Cape Revolutions. Can you tell us a bit about the name and about the company? You know, when I first decided that I wanted to move into the world of, uh, of personal coaching, of, you know, leadership, career coaching, I, I actually, I never thought I had wanted to have my own business. I actually discovered coaching when I came to a speed bump in my own career, which had been, you know, tracking along super fast. And then I tell this story in, in the book. And one day I'm on the phone with my boss and she's telling me she's retiring. And I realize I'm not getting that job. 
And then, so that's when I actually went out and hired my first coach, because if the next job up wasn't the job I was going to get, then what's next for me? What did I actually want? And through actually working with a coach, I had a window into everything that was happening in the world of professional coaching, of personal development, potential, you know, human potential, as they, as they say, and went and got some coach training, but realized that I could do some of this work right where I was. And I actually entrepreneured a coaching business within my existing, the, you know, global consulting business that I was in. And it gave me an opportunity to test the waters, to be able to kind of create a business inside a business and do the work and see, is this work that I actually really wanted to do? So that's one of the ways. And eventually I said, you know what, if I really want to test this further, if I want to push myself further, I'm going to have to jump out into my own. And so that's, you know, how I got started doing Red Cape Revolution. But to your question, I originally, just to get started, people were calling me Coach Darcy. And so I'm like, okay, well, that was a URL that was available and I would, I just bought it. Um, but over time I wanted the brand and the work to be about something bigger. And a friend of mine was telling a story about how his kid, how they felt when they were running around in the yard, they grabbed a cape or, or grabbed the towel or a sheet, threw it around their shoulders. And, and I realized that made people feel confident and feel in control and what if we could feel that way every day at work? And so the idea behind Red Cape Revolution is that I believe we can. I believe we have those opportunities even more in our life at work than we actually think. And so getting that Red Cape feeling back in your own life, in your career, in your company is something that I work toward every day. I love so many things that you mentioned here, like human potential. And that symbolism of that cape that translates into strength. I love that. You offer so much here. And now, because of that, that's translating into Red Cape Rescue, Save Your Career Without Leaving Your Job. Can you tell the listeners more about this book and some of the key points you address? It's interesting. I had written my first book, Bring Your Superpowers to Work, around... 10, maybe, maybe more 11, 12 years ago. Okay. And for years I had kind of thought about, well, what's, you know, what's the next book? What's the, but nothing was overly compelling to me. There wasn't one common message. There were lots of messages. You know, I felt that a lot of my clients were coming to me who looked great on paper. They're like, oh my gosh, you've got these amazing careers. They've got all these skills, but they didn't feel that way. Mm-hmm. And what I started to see very often was that what people were defaulting to is that when they felt like something wasn't going right, whether it was happening coming from the outside, you know, maybe there's a merger and acquisition and makes them question uh, their role or new leader coming into the organization, or it might've come from the inside, having a birthday with a, a zero on the end or a five on the end right. that they were thinking, well, something's then not right. That means I need to go find another job. And we talk about, you know, in the world of work and sort of the traditional career space that those are the the options are really, oh, you're not happy, go find another job or Mm. suck it up and deal. Uh, You're getting good paid. Well, you know, you people treat you well, you know, just like deal with it. 
And I realized working with my clients that so much of this, there's so much in the middle. And then last year during the first part of the COVID crisis, you know, I have a weekly email that I send out to my insiders and it always has a little story and some tips. And I asked my insiders, I said, well, what do you need from me? And what I got back was we need encouragement. You know, we need, we need to feel like we're back in control again. And so that really was the genesis of putting these ideas into the book that has become Red Cape Rescue, is how can you take back control of your career? How can you save your career without having to leave your job? And so some of the strategies really break down into three core areas. They are the things you always control, everything you think, everything you say, and everything you do. And that's it. And for a lot of us, we forget that's all we control. But you know what? In the end, it's a lot. And I offer some strategies in the book that break those pieces down into things that you can do right where you are, just as you are. Yeah. And I love that. I love those three pillars that you really pull from and talk about. And I also love the fact that there are things that you can absolutely do without having to leave your job. I was just on a radio program talking about this very thing. And some of the things that I had suggested at the time were find yourself a mentor within the company or outside of the company. Make sure you take a deep breath and see what other opportunities there are within the company that you could potentially look at. So there were just different things that I was looking at about how can you really stay where you're at and change that mindset about growth and potential within the company that you're at. So. I was just coaching a leadership cohort this morning of a global company. There's a, you know, a set of very high profile women, again, all of them together, together, you'd say, oh my gosh, they look great on paper, but you know, the organization has sponsored this cohort to give them a place to talk more about what gets in the way and right. what are some of the things they need. And to be more direct, one of my chapters is how to ask for what you need Absolutely. and, um, and recognizing that people can't read our minds, but also that the old traditional, well, let me see what opportunities are out there. Opportunities in the terms of it's a posted job listing versus the having human to human conversations yeah. and understanding your story and, uh, and finding, you know, what's the pain that other people have? Cause maybe there's something that, you know, no one's thought of yet. And I'm seeing more and more of those opportunities get created yet somehow in our mindset, we think, well, you know, that department's not growing or they're going to reorg. And so I'll wait till that shakes out Mm. when change is the perfect time for you to insert yourself and for you to be often say visibility equals viability. And that's not, you know, saying, Hey, look at me, look how special I am. That's the same. um, Hey, I noticed this thing that you're doing. I'm thinking about what's next for me. I am super curious to learn more about what you are trying to do and your direction. Tell me more about you. And through those conversations, you know, you get the opportunity to hear things where you might be the solution someone's looking for. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's funny that you mentioned that I was talking to my husband who works for a government agency and when COVID started, they did things a certain way. And I said, well, let's think about this. Let's think about how you can change the strategy and change the dynamics in which 
the ways that you do things. And he said, well, I'll let them figure that out. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Why don't you make the suggestions? He did. And boom, guess what? That was a snowball effect in relation to how they do work now. And that was a positive thing. And so it changed the dynamics of how they were restructuring their process. So, so that was really helpful. So let's go on to the next question. What's the biggest mistake most professionals are making when they hit a difficult time in their life at work? So I think the biggest mistake is listening to that little lizard brain that pops up that says, oh, this is bad. This is awful. This is bad. You need to go hide. You need to, uh, you need to, you need to leave. You need to pack up and move to Montana. Uh, although I understand lots of people moving to Montana these <laughs> days, but it's the, but you know, it's the, it's the, you know, they, they react and make decisions like, you know, very often, it just feels easier that, well, I'll just quit. Oh, well, we can afford to live on one salary for a while, or I've got savings, or I'll be able to find a job pretty quickly. It feels easier to quit. And yet, increasingly, when that happens, what you're taking with you is yourself. You know, with it, with it, wherever you go, there you are. So the types of things that hit your hot buttons, the types of things that um, created the speed bump or that created how you react to the speed bump may be more likely because uh, certainly the same things can happen in our organizations and different people react differently and there's no right or wrong. It's just knowing what your hot buttons are, yeah. but recognizing that this, that if I leave or if I don't do something that might be, um, I'm not getting the growth opportunity here that any pain is also an opportunity to grow. None of us want pain. None of us wish pain on anybody else, but discomfort is the only place that the growth comes from. It's kind of like at the gym, you have to pull the muscles apart. You have to break the muscles down before they can heal and be stronger and build back. And it's the same way with our, you know, our, our lives at work is that when junk happens and it's going to, you know, don't expect that everything's always going to be perfect. That's the chance to say, great, what do I have to learn from this? Where do I want to stretch myself? It's uncomfortable. I wish it was better, but you know what, in the long run, this is going to be something good for me. So instead of saying, let me take the easy route and just leave and hope that that all goes away. Surprise. It's going to come back at you some point anyway. So may as well Let's take the lesson now. Let's build the skill now. Let's build the mindset now that I need. I absolutely appreciate that. For years, I've worked with humans in the human services field as a psychologist, just working, working, working with folks. And it's human behavior. It's response versus reaction. I always talk about response versus reaction. There's a distinct difference. So you're talking about how we react. Well, it's you can respond differently versus react. And so react to me is more of a a knee jerk kind of a thing. And so um, I also look at some of the things when we're talking about human behavior, which you are looking at as well about taking that same behavior approach with you. So nothing's going to change unless you change the behavior. 
And so that's really critical. I love that you mentioned that. I cannot wait to read your book. So what would you say one of your professional challenges has been and how did you work through it? I think we, we often, most of us will say that the things we teach are probably the things that we needed to learn ourselves. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I do think one of my chapters in the book is to conquer the battle of the brain. And, you know, it really is a foundational piece about recognizing that it's just biological, that there's a little prehistoric part of our brain, you know, Seth Godin calls it the lizard brain, and I, I use that term as well, that is, is meant to protect us. You know, it's not meant to hold us back, but it does because it sends out hormones that, you know, give us that fight or flight feeling that make us feel like something's wrong. And so often we're not really talking about how we feel at work, but we are feeling. And then we try to, you know, to hide it or bounce it back instead of just being honest about like, I'm feeling uncomfortable. I'm feeling upset. Um, But recognizing what's really going on here to your point about react versus respond. And there are ways we can learn to talk back to that little lizard brain. You know, one of the strategies that I give, especially in that chapter of conquer the battle of the brain um, is to give it a name, you know, is to personify it. And uh, Shirzad Shermin in his book, Positive Intelligence talks about this in depth. And I you know, learned a lot from his work as well. Uh, but really once you start to separate that from yourself, from what I call the, you know, your hero, your person, your hero inside you, um, the who you want, the person you want to be separating that little lizard brain, giving it a name, lets you talk back to it. You know, it's kind of like, I have a client who um, had named hers after some teacher that was always really chiding her Mm. for um, things that she didn't think she should be criticized for. So she calls it that teacher's name so she could talk back to it. And actually feels good to say, nope, I got this. I'm in charge, you know, shut up. Yeah, Yeah, I love that. That's really empowering to give it a name. And that little part of the brain called the amygdala back there, (laughs) you know, where the thought or the, the what's coming into your brain surpasses that frontal lobe goes to the back. That's the amygdala, right? And there's that fight or flight. There's that little lizard brain, right? Mm -hmm. And you can change that. You absolutely can change that. So I love the, the techniques that you're using to help reframe that. And I've had to use these myself and I do, you know, and when you're, as you know, from the, from the books and the work that you put out in the world, you know, when you're stepping into bigger things in the world for yourself, things that you want to do to help the people that you want to help, that little lizard brain pops up. Who are you to, why should you be, and recognizing how do you conquer the battle of the brain? How do you one of the other chapters in the book is imagine positive intent, you know, Mm -hmm. so someone says, no, I don't want you on that interview, or, oh, I don't really want you at that speaking engagement, or just doesn't respond to your email at all. Instead of thinking, well, must be something about me. You know, how can you choose to imagine positive intent? What else could Mm -hmm. this mean? And so these are things that we can do ourselves. Like we don't have to have some leader come in and put a whole new culture, set of rules in place. Even if you're in an environment that's just, that really truly is a bad environment. There are things that what we're sharing in the book is that you can take back control and rescue yourself um, 
that you don't have to wait for the, for the hero to come from the outside. You know, that hero could be you. Well, and most times it is you. Most times it's what's happening inside of you. And many times we're getting in the way of ourselves and our process, our progress and our change. And so I I really think that your book is going to be so helpful because sometimes we forget as human beings, even me as a, somebody who's worked in this field, it's the small steps. It's the practical things that we forget to do that make a huge difference, huge difference. And we get so technical or we think that we have to go here or there when in actuality, it starts right within you. Right. I've had people say, well, some of that that you're teaching, what's that seems so obvious. It seems so easy. And my response usually is, are you doing it? Right. And, you know, and then we, and we all get that way. Right. I'm, I don't put myself out there as like the be all and end all expert. I'm a seeker too. I'm a practicing, you know, mistake maker too. And sometimes, you know, again, I think that writing things and talking about things also reminds us how we want to be in the world and how we want to make sure that we are challenging ourselves to not wait for the world to change, but that, to make the change that we can, that matters the most for us. Oh, absolutely. So as we come to the close of the interview and wrap things up, my last question is, if you were to leave the listeners with some words of wisdom, what would they be? My personal mantra, which I offer to anybody out there who wants it, is somebody out there needs you. When we realize somebody out there needs you, that helps us get in motion. It helps us reach out. It helps us ask for what we need to speak up and make sure that we're not holding back when we could be of help to somebody else. So if you're somebody who wants to get in motion, who needs change, just remember that somebody out there needs you. Mm, Bravo. I truly believe that. And those are such great words of wisdom. We all need to hear that. Somebody needs to. Thank you, Darcy, for joining me on the Core Women podcast today. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. You can connect with Darcy Eichenberg at Darcy at redcaperevolution.com or on LinkedIn. And her book, Red Cape Rescue, Save Your Career Without Leaving Your Job, will be coming out in October of this year. Thank you for joining us on the Core Women Podcast with Dr. Summer Watson. We're so glad you're here and would love to connect more with you. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Core Women and on Twitter at Core Women One. For more about Core Women and Dr. Watson, visit corewomen.com. Want more support and resources for amazing women like you? Great. Join Dr. Watson and Jen Fontanilla at the Life, Love & Money Collective, a core women production that aids in understanding the key traits that might be getting in the way of living a life that you are absolutely passionate about. Connect with Summer and Jen and find out more at thelifeloveandmoney.com.